On today's Locked On Bama, we're going to talk about some practice reports. Jimmy's got some changes to what he thinks will be the offensive lineup. We're also going to talk about some recruiting. There has been a lot of more news come out. Andrew Bone with on three. He just came on to own three. He had a great report the other day. Uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit. We're also going to talk about two Alabama commitments who will be playing on ESPN this year as their high school teams will be featured in September. So we're going to talk about all that and more on today's Locked on Bama. Locked on Bama, your daily podcast on the Alabama Crimson Tide, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody, and welcome back into Locked On Bama. Luke Robinson, that's me. Jimmy Stein, that's him. Jimmy, how are you today? Good, good. I don't like having my phone set up at the moment, so when we go to commercial, I'm going to change it. But uh, nevertheless, uh, I'm doing fine. Still in New Orleans, though I've really seen nothing but the inside walls of the hotel. (laughs) Well, there's nothing more scenic than the inside walls of the New Orleans hotel. (laughs) Yeah, when you Uh, travel like that, it really doesn't matter what town you're in, right? But... uh, yeah, I mean, uh, no, we haven't really gone out and done much, and today it's back to Alabama. All right, Jimmy, let's talk a little bit about practice. You, As we were getting ready for the show, you said, hey, I got some changes to what I think is going to be the offensive lineup, so I'm just going to let you run with that because I find it interesting. Yeah, well, it's not like, hey, I'm, I'm necessarily saying, okay, now I'm laying out what I think will be the offense uh, versus Utah State because it's not really true. Uh, I just think – you know, every day there's slight modifications and this isn't scoop. I'm, I'm going by what I see in photos and videos and the player interviews and Nick Saban's interviews. I'm adding all of that together. And it struck me this morning, Luke, uh, that all summer I felt the, the main three offensive linemen. Now, now, I mean, main three wide receivers. Now there's more than three receivers are going to be in the first rotation. But we are our typical alignment is with three receivers. That's our typical way we line up for the majority of snaps on offense. And this summer, I felt those three would be Jermaine Burton and Nick Saban identifying Nick's press conference as our best receiver. So that's that's not changing. He's he's going to be the go to number one guy. He's wide receiver one. Uh, I think Jojo Earl will be in the slot. Uh, if you think about it, Luke, uh, JoJo Earl has, has basically shown up a first-team player that's never changed. And this spring, from practice number one through practice 15, who was the starting slot, he was number two in the slot behind Slade Bolden last fall and played quite a bit before he got hurt. Still confident in JoJo, but my change is in that third spot. I've been saying this summer it would be Tyler Harrell. Harrell, gosh, I still uh, fumble that. Tyler Harrell. And and I still think Tyler Harrell will be a part of things, and I think he will be in the first rotation. But I lean more now to Ja'Cory Brooks in that spot. Uh, Brooks is, has more experience as an Alabama player. He's been here. He knows the system. He, he was really good down the stretch. You know, we talk about that Auburn play to death, and rightfully so. It was maybe the single biggest play of the year and a great play on his part, particularly under all circumstances and the fact he's a freshman. But here's one we don't talk about. He caught – what amounted to a, a bomb for a touchdown against Cincinnati in the playoffs. I, and Cincinnati's defensive backfield was as good as any in the SEC. I mean, Cincinnati's defensive backfield, they're all in the NFL. Uh, I, 
I think Tyler Harrell is banged up. I've seen him in practice jersey and the in a video, and he was in a black jersey. Saban mentioned he's quote in and out, uh, I, but he said it in a way that made me believe it's it's maybe not a hundred percent injury. Hey, it's easy to believe you have a culture adjustment coming from Louisville to Alabama. Uh, I think for all those reasons, I've moved Ja'Cory Brooks into my projected starting lineup for now, and, and it'll be you know, Burton, Earl, and Brooks at wide receiver. And the other change I've seen, and again, I'm going off photos and videos, not inside scoop, but just what I, from what I see with my, it looks to me like the number one center is Darian Dalcourt and not Seth McLaughlin at this point. Does that mean that it's going to be permanent? No, no, not at all. But, and since I've seen that and I've put some thought to it, you know, Dalcourt lost his spot because he was hurt, not because they all, because just all got together and huddled up and said, hey, Dalcourt stinks. Let's go with Seth. That's not what happened at all. Dalcourt got hurt. When Dalcourt got hurt, they originally put Chris Owens in at center. This was against Arkansas. Didn't go really well. And that's when they made a decision. Hey, if Dalcourt can't go, let's, let's go Offlin. Uh, and, and Seth did a, a great, great job in all circumstances. But generally, players don't lose their starting positions due to injury. Generally, that doesn't happen. So right now I'm changing. Uh, I've been saying it would be McLaughlin all summer. Today I think it'll be Dalcourt. So those are my two thoughts about what looks like the offensive lineup to me when I, when I comb through all the videos, all the photos. And trust me, I have multiple times. Yeah, it's interesting. And, you know, Ja'Cory Brooks has been asked a lot recently. He had an interview where he talked about that catch in the Auburn game. And he mentioned, you know, Hey, I didn't realize how big a deal playing Auburn was. I mean, it's just it's funny to me as an Alabama guy who grew up right next door to Auburn that I mean, he just he kind of doesn't get it, you know. And not that he gets it now, but I mean, it it, maybe, it, it just cracked me up a little bit. So I am pulling for Jacory Brooks. I like him a lot. Um, yeah, I've heard the same things about Tyler Harrell that perhaps um, it's injury slash maybe not everything coming together just yet. That doesn't mean it won't. There is a culture shock, like you said. I mean, you're going from Louisville, not trying to bash Louisville, but really if you go from anywhere to Alabama, it's going to be a culture shock. So, um, Jimmy, let me tell everybody about Bet Online. Bet Online, this place is just awesome. They've been a sponsor forever. We truly appreciate them. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in game betting, scores, and podcasts. They got you covered every which way. Head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening right now. Bet Online is where the game starts. All right, Jimmy, um, just throwing this out there really quickly, and I, I used him for the, the cover of our YouTube, uh, whatever this is, segment today, uh, Amari Nyblak. And, you know, there was a, there's a picture of him, which I did use for the cover today, like I said. And, um, I mean, people were going nuts just over this picture, like, oh, my God, this guy's a beast. A am I wrong? And I, I really like Amari Nyblak. Don't get me wrong. I like him. I like what he brings to the table. But am I wrong in thinking, like, he looked a little small in the upper body? 
Is that is that me? Am I am I no, no, reading too no. much into one picture? No, no. I, I, he's he's a uh, for for a guy who was in the tight end room. He's a tight end. I mean, and for this this, this we make things so complicated when things are so simple. Uh, you know, and we got in a long discussion on the on uh, you know Bam Insider message board about this. You know, is he a wide receiver? Is he a tight end? Look, he's a tight end, and I can prove it. You know why? Because his coach is Joe Cox, and he's the tight end coach and not the wide receiver coach. If he was a wide receiver, his coach would be Holman Wiggins. But his coach is Joe Cox. That makes him a tight end. Now, is he a traditional in-line tight end? How often this fall are we going to see Amari Black lined up at the tight end spot next to the tackle with his hand in the ground like he's a third tackle? How many times are we going to see that this fall? I will. I would go so far as to say zero. I, 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 he's not built yet to do that. Uh, he he's he is what what we call a move tight end or a flex tight end. He's going to line up in the slot. He's going to line up in the backfield. He's going to be moved around in an attempt to, to make to ensure that we get a covering him uh, that he can easily out athlete. Uh, he he's just a walking mismatch in the pass game. If you move him around, if you put him on the line. Someone's going to hit him down there and not let him get into his route. He'll, he'll be overpowered and over physical. But if you move him around, he can make people miss and get into his route. So uh, I think he's a bit of a project, though, long term. He reminds more and more of, of O.J. Howard uh, in, in the sense that, you know, O.J., as a true freshman, made a big play or two. Uh, and, and he's built a little like O.J. was as a freshman. Uh, now O.J. in the NFL is listed at 251 pounds. I don't know that Nablack is ever going to get that big, but uh, but that's the goal with him is to get him bigger. Uh, the goal with him is not to make him a big wide receiver. He, he'd be with Holman Wiggins if that was the case. And and I, I I think when we talk about his athleticism, we talk about it in comparison to tight ends. We don't talk about how, wow, do you know Amari Nablack and, and Aaron Anderson are the exact same athlete? They're really not. I mean, he's not that fast and quick. He's just remarkably fast and quick for a tight end. So we we, got to put some weight on him. But in the meantime, we can flex him and he can become a weapon. So I'm eager to see how we use him. Uh, And I think it's going to look a lot like O.J. Howard, who was flex guy as a freshman and and lined up next to the tackle uh, as a senior. And and I think that's what Nablack's uh, career will look like. Also, Jimmy, I want to talk about uh, two commitments from Georgia that will be on ESPN. I think one is uh, – both of them are late September, I believe. Um, Dylan Lonergan will be playing against Bishop Gorman out of Vegas. That's that's pretty cool right there. And then um, Justice Haynes will also be on ESPN. I think that's around September 30th, somewhere in that neighborhood. And um, so that will be a lot of fun. That's that's great. I love seeing our commitments get to play on ESPN. I know Thompson will be on ESPN too. Uh, ESPN T O O, not T W O. I think the second week of the year. Um, so, and I, I believe it's on a Sunday. It's either on a Saturday or a Sunday. Is that I may even go to that game. Talking about huh? Buford? Is that the Buford yeah. game? I think they play Buford. I said earlier this morning. I don't know this, but uh, it, it just seems to be, Thompson versus Buford has to be one of the best high school football games in the United States this year. I I don't know that there will be two better teams yeah. playing against each other than Thompson and Buford. I mean, maybe because I don't 
keep up with, you know, I, I'm into prospects more than I am teams, if that makes sense. I mean, that's why, you know, yeah. one, one secret that people might, might, might be disappointed to hear this about me because I'm so obsessed with it. But look, my general high school football schedule, I go to see players, not teams. So I stay for a half. I, I, I don't normally stay a whole 60 minutes because I don't care who wins the game. But I, I, I see enough in a half to satisfy, you know, Hey, I, you know, I, I can, I can see enough and a half. So, uh, you know, I, I don't really get into, not that I don't get into it, but that's not why I love high school football. I love high school football for the prospects, not necessarily who's going to make the playoffs and who's, who's the best 10 teams in the country. I really couldn't tell you. I can just tell you that Thompson and Buford are flat out loaded with prospects. I can't imagine two teams are playing each other that have more. Yeah. I watch high school football for the same reason I watch NFL football for the individual players. And I watch college football for a totally different reason because I, yeah. you know, I love the Alabama Crimson Tide. But, um, Jimmy, let's go ahead and take a break. When we come back, I want to talk about some of these uh, notes in the latest Andrew Bone report. All right, I'm pulling up Andrew Bone's report. He talks about uh, Miles McVeigh, who will be making his announcement on Thursday at 6. He also talks about Kelby Collins, um, who will be committing on Saturday. Uh, still a lot of scuttlebutt both ways there. And we'll, we'll continue to talk about those two, but I thought I'd bring up some some other notes. But we talked about Jordan Renaud in yesterday's podcast. If you hadn't heard that, go check it out. A name that was brought up by Andrew Bone, the, I want to talk about three new defensive line names because these are the guys that are getting the most run when it comes to comments on our YouTube page or on Twitter or whatever. People are asking, like, man, are we, we're really hurting on the defensive line. And I don't think that's necessarily true. But um, first of all, if we get James Smith to commit eventually, everybody's tune will change almost immediately. Um, but here's some other three names that maybe nobody talks about quite as much. So I was glad to see Andrew Brown bring them up. That's Edric Hill from uh, Kansas City. You have talked about him in past podcasts, but we hadn't talked about him in a while. Uh, Devin Hobbs, who is out of Concord, North Carolina. You know, apropos of nothing, I restored a fountain in Concord, North Carolina. Uh, Reuben Bain, who is from Miami. This is another guy that uh, certainly visited Alabama and loved it. Those three guys alone uh, – you know, would be awesome pickups. I mean, there, there are other names on here like Mateo Uyunglele and David Hicks. I don't think Alabama's getting either one of those guys. Peter Woods is certainly on the list. I mean, always a flip candidate. But talk about those three guys, Jimmy, and and, and what do you think and, and Alabama's chances with them? Yeah, uh, first of all, I don't think Alabama has much of a shot at Reuben Bain. He, he is from the Miami area and has multiple relatives uh, either at Miami or coaching for Miami. And I, I think Bain is just not going to happen. But Edric Hill might and Hobbs uh, from Concord might. I, I think those two things can happen. But one thing I want to explain better about, you know, the A-list versus the B-list and what that means and, and where these guys sit on it. It is completely inaccurate to say that Edric Hill and uh, and the Hobbs kid from, from, from North Carolina are B-list players or backup plans or consolation prizes though that's completely inaccurate what what happens is i'll grant you this what happens is players are good enough or they're not and it has been determined because they've been offered all they were offered in the spring and the summer you know we're not at crunch time here guys this is not crunch time it's months to, there could be players that develop this summer at this fall as seniors that get new, that get offers uh you don't offer 
your backup plans in the spring and the summer. These are good enough or they're not. Those kids have been deemed good enough. That means that in Alabama's determination, they are both scholarship worthy players. These are kids that we would like to have at Alabama because they're very good. Now inside the kids that are good enough, is there a pecking order? Of course. Is Hill and Hobbs good enough to play at Alabama? Yes. Uh, would we take them over Peter Woods? Probably not. You know, probably not. Will we take them over Kelby Collins? Probably not. If it came down to, we all see, and, and right now it's not about room. I mean, right now we only have one guy committed there, right? So there's plenty of room. Yeah, if it came down to, well, we have one spot, are we going to take Hill or Woods? You take Woods. But that doesn't mean that Hill's a backup plan. They're either good enough, which means they're on the A-list, or they're not. So they're A-list takes. They're good players. We should be excited to get them. Uh, the only thing I will grant the critics is, yeah, if you came up with a precise pecking order, uh, you know, but hey, if Reggie White was coming out, then Peter Woods isn't good. Under that same logic, if you, if, if, if we have one spot and there's Reggie White in the seat and Peter Woods from, uh, from, from Thompson would take Reggie White. So Peter Woods is out. Does that mean he's B-list or he's not good enough? Of course not. Um, there's only room for so many. I mean, that's it. There's only room for so many. There's a, it's like a budget. I mean, <laughs> we're budgeted for four or five defensive linemen, yet how many defensive linemen in this class naturally are good enough to play for, I don't know, 15, 18, 20? Make probably 20. So how are you going to get that 20 down to the four? Well, they have to want to be here. <laughs> that's that's number one. They have to want to be here. And if the kids that we want here and they want to be here, then there's some semblance of a pecking order. But it doesn't mean that there be that any list is a B list or, well, we got to take him because we didn't get the guy we wanted. Actually, we want all of them. Uh that's a good take on everything and very interesting. And I think that just the, the, the wringing of the hands over the defensive line commit uh, commits and, and recruiting, everybody just chill a minute. I think it's going to work itself out. I do want to wrap up. Um, I've, I've been meaning to say this the last couple of podcasts, and I keep forgetting last Thursday we had Greg McElroy come speak to our Lake Martin Bama Club and President Stuart Bell. Um, which was pretty cool. And Larry Morris, a uh, buddy of mine who is also the president of the, uh, the, the actual CEO of the High Tide Traditions. And um, as Larry put it very succinctly, uh, if y'all want to keep winning championships, y'all need to come off your pocketbooks. And uh, so everybody go check out High Tide Traditions and contribute. You can contribute on a monthly basis, like as low as $9.99 a month or something like that. So I'm going to tell everybody to go check that out and be sure to contribute because it will help. And I know, and as Larry said, again, very truthfully, he said, I know there's some people in this room that don't like the idea of players getting paid, that it goes against what they believe college football, college athletics is. I understand that. But that's the way it is now. It's not going back. So if you want Alabama, if you want to keep playing 15 games a year, you, you better start helping and contribute to things like high tried traditions. And, um, Again, it was just a very succinct way to put it, and that that's exactly right. Uh, but I wanted to tell a couple other stories. First of all, Stuart Bell, um, he did a nice job. He he told uh, he said something by the way that I I think can't be right. He said Alabama has two hundred forty thousand living alumni. We got to have more than that. Are we all? We dying? have to. Have we all died? Has have half of us did, died? Did we? Did COVID get us? 
Um, but anyway, about, yeah, I would think I would think two, but okay. Uh, I mean, he's the president of Alabama. I'm just some Nimrod with a podcast. But um, anyway, <laughs> the other thing Greg McElroy told the story, and it won't take but a second, but. Uh, Greg spoke for a long time and, and somebody asked him, who was your favorite teammate of all time? He said, look, I got a lot of them. He said, Julio Jones was, you know, the best teammate. I mean, in the sense that he was the best player as soon as he walked on campus, he was a, a freak. Everybody knew it the moment he got there. He's incredible. He said, Mark Ingram is one of my favorite teammates because he cried all the time. And it was funny because when we introduced Greg, we did uh, this, we showed highlights of Greg in the SEC title game. And one of the highlights, of course, was Tim Tebow crying. And he said, you know, what's funny about that is everybody talks about Tebow crying. He said, yeah, when we when the Jets traded for Tebow and we got him on the Jets and I was on the Jets, the first thing like when he walked in the building was him crying on there uh, because people were just messing with him. Right. But he said everybody gives Tebow hell about that. But he said. Mark Ingram cried all the time. He cried when he was happy. He cried when he was sad. He cried when he was <laughs> mad. He cried when he was glad. He cried all the time about everything. And he said, that's why everybody loved him because he's so passionate. Like he cares about everything. Um, but he said, my favorite teammate is Marquise Mays. And uh, he just said, we're, we're still friends. And, and he's just a good dude. And, and he was really, really talented, probably underrated in terms of Alabama lore. And he told the story about how um, – in the 2008 Iron Bowl, and I remember this well because I was there, um, Alabama's up 29 to nothing. I think we were only up 10 to nothing at the half. Glenn Coffey had a big long run right before the half. And um, so we're up 29 to nothing. It's late. Uh, it's cold. It's been rainy. Um, everybody's ready for the game to get over with to do rammer jammer. And uh, so they put Greg McElroy in, uh, you know, the backup. John Parker was the quarterback. They put McElroy in, and they said, you know, Okay, good. I'll have to go in there and just hand it off a few times and move on. So he handed off the first one. Uh, the next play was like just a little short pass to Brad Smelly. He throws it to him, you know, whatever. The next play was essentially going to be the same play, maybe a little bit different. I mean, he used all the terminology that I don't understand. But it was pretty much the same play, going to throw it to Brad Smelly, just out in the flat, whatever. But there's one caveat to this play. If there's no safety help in single coverage – you just lob it for the the wide receiver. And the wide receiver happened to be Marquise Mays. And he throws that pass because there was no – he looked around and said, there's no safety help. And, like, he's been conditioned, like, this is what you do if this happens. That's what you do. So he did it. And, of course, Marquise Mays catches it and scores a touchdown, and it was awesome, and I was there, and I'm getting chills talking about it. because I remember the play. I remember it well. Yeah, look it up on YouTube. I may put a link to it or something. Um but anyway, he said, so everybody's going crazy and end of the game, whatever, everybody's fine. You know, yeah, there were some Auburn people thinking they rubbed it in, whatever, but it was just a, the way it is. A few months later, he sees Tommy Tuberville. And Tommy Tuberville said, there you are, the man who got me fired. And Greg Michael was like, what? He said, yeah, 36 nothing. that last touchdown got me fired. He said, we were already up 29 to nothing." He said, yeah, I could have survived that. I couldn't survive 36 nothing. <laughs> and then a little later on, Greg McElroy went on this thing about how Feinbaum and some other folks are trying to get him into politics. Uh, Greg is not a shy guy, by the way. But he, uh, he, no. No. Confident. he went confident. He went, that's what he is. He's yes. confident. He went on to, uh, to talk about how some people want to get him into politics. And somebody said, you know, 
this would be a golden opportunity for you to get Tommy Tuberville fired again. <laughs> Pretty funny. Uh, that is uh, solid. solid. But anyway, <laughs> if I can think of anything more from that, and there wasn't like any super recruiting news from that meeting or whatever, because it's, it was McElroy, Stewart, Bell, and, and of course, Larry. And Larry can't really go into anything recruiting-wise. Um but it was uh, it, w- it was cool, and uh, again, I'm going to implore everybody to contribute to High Tide Traditions. This is something that will really help. So uh, y'all go handle that. But until next time, Jimmy, roll tide, buddy. Roll tide.